Thank you for joining us on our LWCC podcast. Right now, you're going to hear a message from our senior pastor and founder of Living Word, Pastor Ruben Reyna. Let's jump into our word. health. Last time we went a lot of places, but today I want to just keep on going on being healthy. And I said one thing is that you got to learn who you are so that you can accomplish what God wants you to do. If you know who you are in Christ, then you can do anything that you place your heart to do. Because God has a way of building us into his image so that the image can fit to people or just to a whole congregation because we influence who we are. So as we go on, one of the things that we're going to have to deal with our own selves is uh, we're going to have to really, really deal with that one thing called pride. How many here have to deal with pride all the time? Where you want to say something and say it rude. Something that you want to hurt people. But when you're under control and you want to help people, you always, you might be upset, but you use the right words. You just don't lash out. Or if you just don't want to say it because you know that they're going to feel the impact of, the, of your spirit. Just don't say it. That's why the psalmist says, put a lock in my lips so that I will not sin against you. Now, that must have been maybe, I would, I would say put five locks <laughs> so we won't sin. Because we have the tendency to try to do things for God but in the spirit of pride. And nobody can see it, but God sees it. And when he sees it, he's going to go after it, and he's going to get you. Believe me, he's gotten me a lot of times. I am very careful in what I do, what I say. I calculate everything in my mind before I ever say it. And then if, I, if, he, if he doesn't want me to say it, I have to take it to prayer and give it to him so that he could disperse it. Because sometimes the righteousness of man won't, won't work out the righteousness of God. Because men are proudful. They asked uh, one of uh, the servants of Hitler, they asked Hitler, well, as they were having a court, they asked one of his guys that worked with him, he says, hey, was Hitler ever, ever proud? And he said, no, sir, I don't think so, but when we went to a baptism, he wanted to be the baby. <laughs> when we went to a wedding, he wanted to be the bride. And right there they caught it that Hitler was, always wanted to be the center of attention. Pride is like that. 
You always want to be the center of attention. You always have godly things to say because you're so wise. But let me tell you something. You can be wise and be stupid because of that spirit of pride and arrogance. Well, let's get holy in this place. Good morning. <laughs> it's raining a different rain. <clears throat> because the reason why I'm saying this is pride and prayer cannot stand. Let me say it again. Pride and prayer cannot stand together. Because God is not prideful. The flesh is prideful. We always want to look good and say all the right things and become Solomon of our times. Sometimes you're going to say the wrong things at the right time and God's going to say to you, shut up, please. Do me a favor and just shut up. I've heard God say that to me. Just shut up, Reuben, shut up. Especially when I got in an argument with Stella. And I was wrong, but I was trying to be right. And God would tell me, I rule this house. Shut up. I said, I'll be like a puppy, man. Just, whoo. Because <laughs> pride and prayer cannot stand. Prayer makes you healthy. It makes you healthy. Because it makes you judge everybody. And yet, you take it up in prayer. And when it's time to say something, the Lord will put it in your heart to say it at the right time. How many here have ever opened up your mouth at the wrong time? How many have felt, oh man, I blew it. I should have kept quiet. Well, and that's God teaching us. That's how he teaches us, to restrain ourselves. And when he teaches you to restrain yourself, then you, you're a, a much better person. You know, I get mad. Sometimes I want to choke somebody. <laughs> and I have to go and pray and say, Reuben, you can't do that no more. You just can't do that no more. You're the pastor. You're going to make all the church look bad. I heard your pastor was choking. What's his name? Juanito. <laughs> Can you imagine if that goes out? Probably the church will, come, will get full because they just want to see. <laughs> but they want to see the wrong thing. So pride and prayer cannot mingle together. It just doesn't work. Because when you walk in the spirit of pride, God will always re resist you and approach you and break you to a place where you feel bad and embarrassed because your flesh Gordon walking in the flesh. How many of you have ever tried to move things in the flesh? Well, I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. And I'm going to show them who's right and wrong. And then you look at the pastor and says, his, his job is easy. That's what people think. My job is easy. Let me tell you something. My job is not easy. I have to be the most quietest person. I have to be like a pigeon. <laughs> and check everything out. And start moving puzzles 
and putting them at the right place with the wisdom of God so it will not affect me. And it won't affect you. But you have to deal with your pride. Tell, turn around and tell your neighbor, I gotta, you got to deal with your pride. Now, tell him that now. The, the one on the right side or left side. you got to deal with your pride. Because you always want to be the center of attention. Have you ever noticed babies? They're beautiful babies, but they have their own cry. Nah! What, what happens to that? He went poo-poo. Then they have another cry where they, they're hungry. Then they have another cry that they hurt themselves. Well, God knows all our cries. All our cries. He knows them all. Success always comes by the grace of God. I was kneeling down this morning and as I was praying, I was thinking of when I was younger, when I was in my 24 years old, when we were in Monterey Park. And I, this picture flashed in front of me that we took a picture of us in Victory Chapel. And I started looking at all, that little, all those little faces that were there. Some of them are not here no longer, and some of them are still here. And I said, wow, all that journey to touch people and to reshape your life, Reuben, and to reshape everybody's life. And it takes a journey so that God can start fixing you because what you think is right is wrong and what you think how to do things is right and God corrects them and says, no, you can't do it that way because you see the results of how many people you hurt. So one of the things is that you need a lot of grace. When you pray, it's so beautiful to just stand there or whatever you do, walk around and pray, and you start confessing your faults, confessing your, your things that, uh, that are not too good in your life. You can look at a marriage and, and you think that a marriage is perfect, but they fight a lot at home. And they're adjusting to each other. And the longer they stand together, the more they adjust. And the, then by the time you got it together, we all got to leave. We got to go somewhere else into heaven. But it is all a training, a training, a training. And it is all grace and grace and grace and grace. Because everybody here has failed at one time or another. Come on, somebody. Anybody here, everybody here has failed one time or another. And it's been the power of grace because of the prayers that you prayed. The grace came in and swept you up and placed you back on your feet. <clears throat> so how do you get grace? And how do you get that favor from God? When God comes in and breaks you, breaks you, breaks you. How many know God can break you? I say breaking us is one of the most beautiful things that could ever happen to a Christian. Even when you do wrong, he breaks you. And even when you do right and you make mistakes, 
He breaks you. And I'm telling you, it is the most beautiful, beautiful thing that could ever happen to you because from there comes all the perfume of God's image and God's beauty just, just taking over your life where you're like a little baby and you say, I thank you for that grace because without that grace, I could have not made it that far. Look at Job chapter 16, verse 12, and I read this scripture. When I was at ease, Job 16, 12, when I was at ease, but he has broken me asunder. When I was at ease, broke me asunder. What a heavy statement. When I was comfortable, God walked in and broke me asunder. Things began to happen that I thought would never happen. When I was in a position of power, I was okay. I was, I was doing everything. I was even praying. I was even sacrificing animals for my children so that they were, in case they would sin against you and they wronged you, I was there praying. I was there interceding. But then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, he broke me. He broke me. My family is gone. My goods are gone. Everything I had is gone. But he broke me. And what did he say? He said, blessed be God. Blessed be God. Those were the first words that came out of his life. Blessed be God. Why? Because he knew that God was in charge, even in the middle of his innocence, and even in the middle of his sin of pride. Because he was arrogant, arrogant. Because he showed off. And God said, okay, there's a missing thing inside of you called grace. And I'm going to show you how much grace I can give you. And how, how I'm going to take you way beyond your trouble. And I'm going to use your testimony to show the whole world that God is a good God. Even though bad things happen to you, I'm going to bless you right in front of everybody. Then the psalmist said these words in the book of Psalms 31, verse 12, and I'm just reading a portion. David said these words, I am like a broken vessel, broken vessel. Sometimes you shed tears. I've shed tears that I've shed tears for brokenness. I've shed tears for losing my wife. I've shed tears. And that brokenness has only brought me closer to an understanding of what God is all about. And I said, God, aren't you going to take me? No, I'm going to take you. You're going to finish what I started in you. And then I started praying. I said, I remember a prophecy that came to me and it said these words. Actually, my mom told me. He says, he says Reuben, things are going to happen to you that are beyond you. And if I tell you, you'll never understand. But he says, when these things begin to happen to you, remember these words that I saved you, and it is my grace taking you forward so that you can finish everything that is not finished in your life. And that broke me again. Broke me again. Why? Because God wants us sensitive. When I think of sensitive, I, I think of a wife when she gets into her kitchen. You know how you ladies are. You buy stuff. Every day. <laughs> and now it's become easier. You just order them. Thank God for Amazon. And you start putting your kitchen in order and every, every glass that you bought, every set that you bought, every pan that you bought, 
Every cacerola that you bought for the menudo, whatever you bought, it is, it is all special for that lady. You cannot step into that kitchen and just grab like, I'm, you're going to grab this and have a water. He said, no, that's not for water. That's for something else. <laughs> this is for water, tonto. I mean, this is for water. <laughs> they have this uniqueness. Even, even when it comes to sheets and blankets and pillows and every single thing. When the man walks in, we walk in like animals. We just want to toss ourselves in the bed. And wrinkle the whole thing. And then when she comes, she says, what are you doing so-and-so again? <laughs> I fixed up this bed, and you're supposed to roll the, she- the, roll the blankets over and stick your darn body inside of there, not just jump in the bed. And I'm saying that because everything is sensitive to a woman when it comes to things. Things are the most important things to a woman. And <clears throat> how did I get off on that? <laughs> oh, yeah. This is what I'm saying. And then the woman crushes you. Don't do that again. Don't you ever, men, have you ever felt that crush of the women when they tell you, don't ever do that again? Come on, you can lift up your hands. Uh, What's the matter? She's next to you? <laughs> but it's because they have that flavor of navigating everything that they can navigate. And they think that you know because they live with you. And unless they communicate with you, then it becomes more easier to run through that whole house. Because they communicate it. And if you break the law, you're going to get it. You ruin, I had six cups, you ruined two already, you're going to go and buy me nine more. (laughs) What happened? She crushed you. And she hits you where it hurts, money. Well, the Lord, when he breaks us, he breaks us inside so that he can rearrange all your thinking, all your ways of thinking, it begins to change your thinking. And when you think you know it all again, he changes it again. And when you think you know it all, he changes it again. That's what makes you, where where, where you feel you're broken and and you, you start crying out to God, I made the mistake again, I made the mistake again. Then God makes you into a person that is so sensitive that you don't want to touch anything because you don't want God to touch you the same way. You learned your lesson. What's the 11th commandment? So the purpose of God is always to break you, to break you. I've seen a lot of people broken, and the first thing that I see change is their attitude. First, they were so proud and so arrogant, you know. People think that I don't, under, I don't know what's going on in your system, but all your actions and all your attitudes tell me everything that's wrong with you. And you think, oh, brother, Pastor Ruben doesn't know. I know. 
but I'm just waiting until you get crushed. Because even if I tell you right now when you're whole, you're not going to listen to me. But wait until you get crushed, then I'm going to say, hey, come here, brother, I love you, man. You're okay. The Lord just turned your life upside down, but you're okay. He's taught me those lessons, and I want to tell you, you're okay. But don't do it again, because it's going to keep happening to you. And I'm not talking about sin. I'm not talking about any of those things. It's just I'm talking about God showing you his ways. And if you think you know all the wisdom and everything, you don't know nothing. Call yourself stupid. You're better off. You're better off because that way pride is gone. Just, I'm stupid. That's all. <laughs> Are you getting it? These are lessons that you have to learn and God has to break your rotten attitude. Well, we didn't do it that way over there. Well, shut up. You're not over there. <laughs> well, I remember when I was back there. You're not there no more. It's over. Back there, it's over. It's like telling me, Stella's here. No, she's not. She's in heaven. It's over. That's the way I got to look at it. It's over. When I graduated, then I'll see her. But it's over. I only have a memory, and I can't live in that memory. Because I get tortured. Start hearing her voice. Hello. I got to hit the ground. Hallelujah, Jesus. Help me. But she's not here. Do you understand what I'm saying? You're not there. You're here now. Fast forward, we're here. We came out of this darn pandemic. We're here. Some of us came crazy, still came in coming out of it, but we're here. It will never be the same. Never, never, never will it be the same. And yes, God broke us. And we found out who we were serving. Some of us still were thinking more about the epidemic than we were thinking about our attitudes. But God changed a lot of attitudes during that time. And we, where did he bring us? Back to humility. Back to humility. Some of you stopped praying, and when that pandemic came, I've never seen you pray so much in my life. What happened? We all got broken. All of us. All of us. Some of us would have, would have been dead but we made it by the mercy of God. Fast forward, we're not there. We're right here. Sane, in a good spirit, getting ready to learn more. Mm -hmm. How's your attitude now? How many here have ever yelled at your wife? Man, you're getting saved. This place is getting renewed, hallelujah. And how did you feel after? <laughs> like an adolescent, right? And that's exactly what we are, adolescents, until we grow into manhood. Have you ever noticed the elderly people, how they treat their wife? Oh my God, she is a jewel. They look at her, 
The man looks at that lady that's been married 50, 60 years. They, he looks at her like, I could have never made it without you. And she looks at him like, yeah, you put me through a lot. <laughs> and then she says the perfect words, but I still love you and I kept you. What happened? The seasons changed you. Some of you have all your teeth. Next time I see you, you might not have none. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But God has a way of crushing us. Say the word crush. crush. Mm -hmm. Listen to Matthew 21, verse 42, all the way from 44. Jesus said unto them, Did you never read in the scriptures? The stone that the builders rejected, the same has become the head of the corner. And this is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in his eyes. Therefore I say unto you, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation bringing forth fruit thereof. And whosoever shall fall on this stone shall be broken. But whosoever shall, shall fall on it shall be, shall, will grind him to powder. So here, here's the picture of what Jesus is saying. When they would build buildings, they would get the stones and they start carving them out. There's, they, they, they beat them to subjection to the point where they were perfect to fit wherever they were going to put them. And this took time because how many know rocks or stones, they're not easy to deal with at all. So it takes time for a builder to start cracking them and make, bringing them into the place where they fit. But if they don't cooperate, if they don't cooperate, then he crushes them through with force into powder where they're no longer usable for nothing. And that's the way God is with us. He starts chiseling out all the rough edges. Are you with me? And as he does that, it takes time. We want to be perfect overnight. And God said, no, I'm taking my time and I'm putting my chisel on you. If you cooperate me, cooperate with me, I will finish the work. That's what Jesus said. And Jesus became the cornerstone because he was obedient to God the Father. He allowed God the Father to shape him, to put him in that corner because he was the, the corners that, that would, would, would finish off the building. But it would reflect everything that he was because he gave of himself. He obeyed what God wanted him to do. He went to the cross and he resurrected, and he was up again, and he is the corner of that building. But he cooperated. When you cooperate and you throw yourself on the rock, then God begins to build you. When you don't cooperate, you go into powder. How many people have I seen that they're no longer serving God? They don't want to serve God. They're a whole different person. Why? Because they did not cooperate with God. 
They could have been a good stone that would have fit inside the building, but they no longer cared if they cooperated with God or not. They gave up because it got too hard. The trials came in and it got too hard. Everything went wrong because they lost their jobs. It went too hard. They, they gave up completely. They gave up on their families. They gave up on each other. They're no longer serving God. They don't care. They run wild like jackasses. And I've seen a lot of jackasses all over the place. They're everywhere. Because they all bucked. They bucked what God wanted to do. Instead of being thoroughbred horses, they became mules. That's my other congregation over there. So the result of that purpose, when the stone didn't cooperate, they would just crush it, crush it into powder because it was not cooperating. How about us? Do we cooperate with God? Are we giving him totally our mind, our spirit, our will? Do we enjoy trials? No. But are you willing to go through those trials? Are you willing to say, you know what, not my will, but your will be done? If you want me to learn a new thing, I'll give myself to you so I can learn a new thing. If it's your will that I forgive my husband, I'll forgive him 120 times before he's dead. Because it is all constantly shaping and shaping you and shaping you and shaping you. For what? So when you die... He'll present you before God and say, look, this is what you allowed to happen in your life. Welcome in, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into your rest. Like over here, you know, the worship team, I, I like them. You know, I love them. I, I love them. I like to see the girls sing. I like the guys but I like you more when you smile. <laughs> Not when you're all, uh-huh. That was a terrible face, huh? <clears throat> Tell your neighbor, smile. Quítale la cara de hacha and put some smiles in there. And let the process begin and smile because why? Because you're up here, you're glorifying God. You're not glorifying people. You are glorifying God and you're smiling and saying, God, I am doing everything for you with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my strength. And I'm, I am singing even if I don't know how to sing, but I'm smiling. The same way with the ushers. The ushers should be smiling all the time. Saying to people, oh, you're going to be fine. You're great. You're amazing. I'm so glad you're here to church. You're here. The same way in the homes. They ought to be smiling and greeting each other and loving each other. Why? Because let the, let the chisel begin. And once we have the right attitude, we'll go through anything. Anything. I have a sister sitting down here. She had a bad wreck. I looked at it. Bad wreck. Bad. I, I looked at it, broke my heart. I started praying. And man, she comes to church right after that, maybe a week later, two weeks. I said, you okay? I'm fine. I'm a warrior. That's what you, I, I'm a warrior. I, I don't care. I'm a warrior. 
You know, I said, Shuta Masata, give me some of that. Hallelujah. What happened? The rock got chiseled and came out with a good attitude. When another woman is not satisfied, she goes, That's my specialty. <laughs> You're not watching them, but while they're doing things, ah, the memory comes back, what you did. Ah. 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 But that thing keeps repeating itself. I used to tell Stella, what's, what's going on with you? Ah, what you did back there. Oh, so I was in your attitude. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We fixed it. Never did it again. Fixed it. So don't get stuck. Tell your neighbor, don't get stuck in your attitude. What's the 11th commandment? So being crushed doesn't mean that you walk in failure or you have a poor self-esteem. That doesn't mean that. It just means that God is shaping you and you're allowing it and you're going to know that when you come out, you're going to be way better than what you were. Than what you were. And to me, that means a lot because you have to remember that God chose you out of darkness into this marvelous light. He didn't make a mistake. He knew you were going to go through all this, but he chose you. Why? Because he trusted you, that you were going to obey in the middle of all the bad circumstances and that you were going to stand strong and you just weren't going to throw the towel. You were going to stand strong and be a testimony to the world that it doesn't matter where they put me and what to do. I'm going to do it with everything that I got because I know that I'm going to be effective. And this is what I want to leave you. You produce what you are, not what you say you are. You produce what you are, not what you say you are. You can say a thousand things, but look at the fruit you're producing. That'll tell you. <laughs> Must have hit somebody with a rock over there. <laughs> that will tell you what type of people you're affecting by your attitude. You produce who you are, not what you say you are. I hear all these, I hear a lot of stuff. I get sick. Sometimes I feel like going over there to the back house of the church and just throw up for hearing all the stupid stuff that you say. So stupid. I said, man, I should serve some stupid juice in Stella's kitchen. And what am I saying? Throw yourself on the rock. Throw yourself on the rock. God will fix you. God will heal you. God will bring you through. Because it's not the natural. It's the supernatural that God does when you throw yourself upon a rock. Because you're saying, shape me. Shape me. I can't do it on my own. The beauty of that is You'll always be an instrument that will affect 
in the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of heaven. So I want to be an instrument of righteousness. I want to I let, let God just shape me. Hmm? Brenda just had a 9.6 baby. It sounds like an earthquake. I went to get him and and man, he was huge. I'm like this. I'm like, wow, Brenda. She says, dad, I gained 10 pounds. That's what I gained it. That baby was 10 pounds almost. And I got him and I rocked him. Put my all, my all, my feelings. I just got him and just rocked him. And pretty soon he fell asleep. I said to myself, wow, I got magic hands. <laughs> I could never do that, put a baby to sleep. But I put that one to sleep. I said, man, I sure change. I don't know, maybe I had a radical spirit that they all cried. But that one went to sleep. And I felt the peace of God when I was there. Looked at my daughter, looked at Justin, and my heart just like, I'm a different person. I allowed the rock to be shaped. No more marijuana, I don't need it. No more drugs, I don't need it. All I need is Jesus, hallelujah. Let him shape us. Let him shape us. Let him shape us. So I hope you got it. Don't move while the chisel is passing by. Don't move even when it hurts. And stop talking stupid. Like if you don't know your Bible. What does the Bible say? When you go through trials, count it all joy. Calculate. And start counting it all joy. Start putting a smile on it. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. That's it. Take the weight off it. It's going to be okay. But let the chisel pass. Don't be a whiz Wang. Make sure you keep moving steady. Come on, stand to your feet real quick. Hallelujah. Pride and prayer cannot stand. Pride and prayer cannot stand. Come on, lift up your hands, stretch them out in the air. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for the church of the living God. I thank you that you called us out of darkness into this marvelous light. Father, sometimes we're so ignorant and we thank you for putting up with our ignorance. Lord, sometimes we think so dumb and I thank you that you put up with us. Sometimes we're just plain babies. So God, I thank you that you put put up with us. But most of all, we know right now that your grace is taking us through every bad situation, every ugly situation. You're taking us through in the name of Jesus. I pray, Father, that your arms will embrace us right now. I pray that you will squeeze us, Father. I pray that your love will be so powerful and so beautiful, Lord, that you will break all the yokes and all the demonic forces in the name of Jesus, Father. I thank you for your glory. I thank you for your power. I thank you for your abilities. I thank you for everything that you're doing inside. 
inside of us. I thank you for our families. Lord, we will stand in the middle of the fire and we will lift up our hands and say, thank you, Jesus, because you know what you do. Thank you, O oh God. Thank you, O oh God. Thank you, O oh God. Just close your eyes. If you're here and you say, Pastor Ruben, I've been struggling and struggling and struggling.